All righty. I think we're live. Hope so I'm going to check. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty live. That says we're good. What we got out here? Looks like it still might need to come up on. Okay. I mean, I don't see anything right happening right now on my side. Like it says comments. I don't see any of my comments. I it, just, it just started loading on, on okay. here. Cool. We got a couple people here. I'll give it a second. Kaylee, how are you doing today, man? I'm fantastic. It is yeah. nice snowy day here in Chicago. Oh, nice. Nothing to do but stay inside, have coffee, and talk about sales. Exactly. <laughs> One week before Christmas, too. The yeah, perfect time. Exactly. This is the perfect time that we talk about this stuff, honestly. If you think it about is. it. You know, prepping to next year. All the all the cle- all the standard sales cliches apply right, right. now, right? Because it's it's how we deal with maybe prospects and people not responding to us right now. Even <laughs> candidate even candidates have gone dark a little bit. They're like, nah, enough. No moss. <laughs> right. Next week's only gonna be like yeah. ten times worse. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a recap, what worked, what didn't work this week this year and that's so why we're going to talk about sales approach. So I see a few people jumping in. We can probably get started. Um, cool. All righty. Well, for, for those who don't know us, well, walk, first of all, welcome. And uh, my name is Clark Wilcox. I'm the founder of the Digital Recruiter, a training and consulting agency and program for agency recruiters. And I'm joined with Keely Flood, who's the founder of the Honest Salesperson. Both of us have backgrounds in staffing. I was at Aerotech. Keely, remind me of the company. Medics and LaSalle. Gotcha. Also, and a spinoff from people that were at Aerotech. So we're <laughs> kind of raised on the same, similar like sales and recruiting practices, which is why Keely's joined us the last few months as a as the sales coach in the digital recruiter mastermind program. He runs a sales call every Tuesday and it's fantastic. So we wanted to get some of those like main principles and just share them with you and get it recorded. So let's uh, let's dive into it, shall we? Let's do it. Cool. So to introduce kind of what we're going to cover today in the next 30 minutes or so, and then we'll we'll do a Q&A after. So, you know, any questions you have, put them in the chat now and we'll get them. We'll get to them at the end. But our main goal here is how to avoid wrecks that will never close. Right. At the end of it, at the end of the day, like that's what we care about. I want to make placements. We don't want to work on stuff that isn't going to close. Right. And these kind of five things we've really honed in on that really help in terms of like a sales approach perspective, right? Know yourself and know your market. This would be value prop, ICP, right? Ideal client profile, which we'll get into. Having a plan, it is amazing how many salespeople I talk to that don't have any plan. And if they have it, it's just in their head. It's not written down anywhere and not trackable. Um, execute, I know that seems obvious, but we'll get into why that might not be. Execute and add volume. Uh, have conversations and always be digging and then knowing how to set boundaries. And this is, that's probably my favorite topic of all these. So let's get into it. All right, Keely, value prop, ICP, who do you serve best? All this good stuff. Talk to us about why it's important. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, if you don't know who you're serving, you will spread yourself so thin, you'll accomplish nothing, quite frankly, mm-hmm. because... I know from personal experience in my selling days, I tried to go after everyone and ended up with no one as a result of that. And so knowing 
who's my ICP? And that changes for the vertical you're in, the market that you're in, um, the roles that you fill. It's really something only you can figure out yourself. But what's important is once you do hone in on who that ICP is, 80% or more of your business development time should be focused on that, that exact market, because those are the ones who will resonate with what you're posting, obviously, on LinkedIn. They will, you'll understand the problems inside and out. Um, and when you're getting curious, right, the, what I think a lot of people miss early on is that curious part. Everything you learn along the way from one ICP is then transferred over to the next meeting, to the next meeting, to the next meeting. You'll always be learning is another phrase I like to throw out a lot. If you're doing that, you're only going to continue to make yourself better at your job, which in turn allows you to be better at helping your ICP in the long run. Uh, uh, well said. And I think this is the get curious is huge. You know, recruiters are always asking me, well, like I can recruit anything or they're saying I can recruit anything, you know, asking like, what should my vertical be? And I think some of the exercises that help like look back at your past placements, look back at clients that you worked with uh, that you signed and maybe didn't work with. Right. Where is the ease of the conversations? Where are the, the industries, the managers, departments that the candidates that you like talking to? Right. And double down on that. Right. Where were you able to have some wins, have some successes? Uh, if maybe if you're newer to the industry, right, what industries do you know a lot about, right? Were you a former nurse or a former lawyer, right? And you go in, you know, if you're an ex-lawyer, I would go maybe go into legal staffing, right? Kind of niche down there and not go after construction, right? I mean, it's just keeping that part simple and just looking back at what you know, evaluating your strengths, doubling down on that, because it is so competitive that being clear on what you bring to the table what your strengths are, where you can win, where you can add value to your market and then getting to know them. That's just going to build that confidence, right? Knowing the pain points, you know, their day to day, what do they not know? What are the opportunities? Just really listening. Like that is, that's where you see, and it can be a working ICP, right? A working value prop, right? It, it's not something that's like just set in stone always on day one, right? You, it can evolve. And as you said, 80% of your time should be spent there. And maybe that 20% is kind of right outside of it. And maybe you're able to establish new markets and all that, but it shouldn't be all your time. Right. The other thing I'd add too is it builds trust, right? Like imagine sitting down with somebody and they understand your problems before you even have to really explain them to them. Yeah. You immediately develop more trust in that individual than someone else who sits down and they're jack of all trades, but they, you know, they're not a master in your area. It can be a little off-putting for them. And it might, it might take a longer time to build that trust as well. It, it's because we always say like, you know, your best clients are going to come from people that probably have already worked with agencies. So why are they coming to you? Cause that agency isn't coming through either they're not finding candidates or they don't know the industry or the department. Right. So this helps you kind of stand out. That also kind of leads to better fees and all that good stuff down the road, right? Uh, so again, something that's why we always push it, you know, because really if you put yourself in the hiring issues and how they're going to come to you and how your ideal client's going to come to you, they probably already worked with the agency. They just need a better experience and a better agency, right? And this is one of those ways that you can constantly kind of refine your game and you're in control of this process. 100%. Yeah. And that's being in control is a big, big piece. And I think we'll yep. touch on that in a few slides too. Yep. 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 All right. I know this is your favorite topic, Keely. Uh, make a plan and execute. Uh, we talked about this. We, you know, when we were in staff, we had to create visible plan, right? January was always like the, what are you, who are your target accounts this year? Who are you going to go after? What's your revenue goal? All that stuff. And I remember not really taking it seriously the first year or two. And then the year I actually did, and I, like, I honed in on my skill sets, the target accounts, everything was visible to me and my team. 
not surprisingly, we like four X our, our recruiting desk <laughs> over the like four to five months. It was crazy. Like it's just so obvious looking back, but it's so it can be tedious, right? Because we just want to be on calls as producers, and it can seem tedious. But yeah, I mean, talk to us about you know this and kind of why. Yeah, I mean, the quote that always comes to my mind when I read stuff about plans is uh, a goal without a plan is a dream, and that's something I've always reminded of as well because. Yeah, you might have a dream, let's say, of landing 10 new clients next year. But if you don't have any executable steps along the way to get to those 10, I'm going to pretty much say it's going to be impossible for you. But if you break it down and do some of the things that we have here on the slide, such as doing the market research, identifying the right targets, right? We're in staffing, we're in recruiting. There's a lot of options out there in terms of the targets you could be going after, but spending the right time with the right ones present the highest ROI for you. And that's important as well. And then your outreach strategy too. Yeah, what do I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing to do. I hated doing it, but it was so beneficial putting together a territory plan, having my account focus plan, right? Based on each company I'm going after, what are some of these smaller steps that if I accomplish those will lead to getting a contract in place, will lead to growing the business, will lead to solidifying a relationship, right? There's so many ways you can go about planning and executing on an account by account basis. It is time consuming, you know, it's, it's tedious, time consuming, but that's why this is probably the best time of the year to do it, right? right? Next week when no one's picking up the phone, that's when you do it because yeah. it will pay off big time in 2024. It, it's huge, like, this is the time. And just to kind of dive in, you know, for you know, those that are tuning in, LinkedIn profile, I want you to know your value prop and your market, right? Optimize that LinkedIn profile, fix the headline, the about section, put your wins on there, right? When you're identifying accounts, I love using Sales Navigator, right? Do your research, right? Like dig in. You don't have to know everything about an account to know if they should be a target account, right? They could just look on paper. It's the company size. It's the revenue. They have the departments. Maybe they have some job postings. If they do or don't, that's, you know, that's fine either way. But they're kind of in the wheelhouse of clients that you've worked with before that you want more of. Right, build out those lists. You can get all your leads from those account lists. Right, you can I'll do outreach on LinkedIn. You can sprinkle in automation. Right, when you've done the right work, it's not spray and pray. It's really targeted. They can have some automation, and then you can you know get calls and emails. You can you know get numbers and all that, and kind of really have like a LinkedIn and then an email and a call. You know, a multi-channel strategy there. Right, kind of really plan that out and plan out that day to day. You know, and where are you going to be? Where are you going to live? Right. That is huge. And if you're doing all those things, I mean, you're going to be so far ahead of the game. Right. And then with the tools, again, caveat with any automation tools, email, LinkedIn, whatever it is, just again, be careful, especially with any extensions and all that stuff. Like know what works for you. Right. And know what you're willing you know, to do. And if you don't know, like, go seek help and advice and co coaching on on that kind of how to approach any kind of technical strategy there. Um, yeah, automation's great, but if your messaging, your targets aren't the correct ones, right? You just you're automating bad messaging at an even faster scale. And yeah, it's, just, uh, right, people good. say automation doesn't work. It's like, well, it's the spray and pray doesn't work, right? We all are getting the messages on our inbox. It's because people haven't done any of this. They haven't figured out their value prop, their ICP. They haven't made an intentional plan, so they're just spraying and praying, right? And, and you know, it's hope is not a strategy type of situation. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> It helps too when you identify the targets, right? You can segment it down to a point where it's your messaging is relevant for each subset of groups, yep. and that that hits home versus the spray and pray, where yeah, maybe one out of a hundred hits home, but do you really want that batting average? Probably not. Right, you're just gonna burn through a ton of leads and kill your reputation. Yep.
All right, this is this is a meaty slide. There's a lot going on here. And this is when we're starting to get into the really good stuff. So have conversations, persist, and dig. Uh, quality pipeline of combos equals better clients. Now, we can kind of go through through some of these, Keely, but w- what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that stands out is the 5 to 12 traditional touch points to get a meeting. I think that number only continues to increase year over year. What is scary is on the flip side, from the seller's perspective, the salesperson, most reps give up on the fourth touch or less. It's something like 90 some percent of reps give up on the fourth touch. And as you can see here, five is the bare minimum nowadays, probably even higher, honestly, as as, uh, we keep moving forward year after year. So you need to, going back to what you talked about the last slide, you have to have those cadences. You have to have that plan, right? Built out before you even do step one. Because if you don't have it built out, if you aren't sure what you're going to do with your next step, you're just winging it. And we all, we've all been there, right? When you wing it, it can be hard to like be creative, come up with new things in the middle of a busy work day. But if I know, hey, my traditional touch point, it's a nine touch sequence, touch seven's this, touch eight's this, touch nine's that, it takes away some of the thought and decision-making you have to do throughout the day. You can simply just execute at a high level. Yeah, I think removing the thought is such a key one. That's why I love being able to just, I have the profile. I know for me, I post, you know, content, right? That's the social media piece. Like that's amplifying the efforts, right? You, I, I'm making my connections every day. I'm sending messages every single day and I'm able to amplify with social media. And that is huge, right? Cause it is, it's so hard to build trust. I mean, you know, you wake up this morning, how many emails did we all get, right? How many emails did we get the Thanksgiving week with Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I mean, email is impossible. And then you got new regulations coming up in, in next next year with like Google and Yahoo and all that, right? They're really going to come down on those domains, right? Like it's, you got to get creative. You got to be intentional, but you also got to know recruiting is about timing and only 2% of the profits are ready to buy now. So I think that the, the reason people are doing spray and pray because they know that stat, but it's the best way to get to that 2% to just mass blast everyone or is it to be more intentional and strategic? And I know we know both know what works and it's just to do the work on the front end is a lot easier on the back end, right? To get these great clients. I mean, this is a huge piece of it. And this is one of the, I think one of the biggest things that kind of, that switches everything, uh, especially kind of knowing when to dig, right? Knowing what, like when to kind of infer, you know, if they kind of need some help hiring. And if you see job postings that are open for longer than 30 days, right? That's traditionally one that we always know, like they need some help, right? And kind of be able to like to dig and play dumb, um, you know, kind of picking up on their tone, right? Determine the urgency. Like, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, because uh, those are pretty big ones we, we talk about week to week. Yeah, I think I think if you approach any conversation with the mindset of, hey, I, I'm, I'm seeking to be curious, right? I'm seeking to learn. I want to understand what's going on. It allows you to pick up on things like, as you had on here, right? Things around their tone, around their urgency. I just know from my own personal experience, when I would go into a meeting or on a call with someone and think, okay, I got to I gotta get the role, right? I got to sell. And I would miss things. I'd miss a lot of things, right? Where maybe they hinted at another group that was experiencing hiring issues, but I was so focused on them and their specific needs, I didn't dig in on that. Or they're talking about some sort of upcoming organizational change that could lead to more hiring or reduction in workforce, whatever it is. The point is, though, if you're going in and thinking, I want to be curious, I want to learn, you will pick up on the things like, hey, 
this is a spot to dig because based on their tonality, based on stuff they're asking me, it's an opportunity for us to go down this rabbit hole together. And then other times too, you just avoid it and go back to maybe the topic at hand that you came to, to speak with them about. Yeah, that's exactly. And I think that's where people, when they get replies in the in LinkedIn inbox, it's like, well, what do I say or say the perfect thing or they end the conversation versus just always, you know, asking a question, right? Like if, if they say, you know, I'm, you know, oh, we're not hiring right now, but then you go to their LinkedIn page and there's 50 job openings and they, they just posted them. It's like, oh, so I assume that you fill that software engineer role, or that sales role, like just knowing how to like ask those key follow-ups, not just letting them end the conversation. Cause every, for the most part, everyone's going to try to give you the Heisman, right? Like the, it's like one of those, yep. like to kind of block you away and gatekeep. It's just, just dig. Like it doesn't have to be this whole long paragraph, right? You can be short, you can be concise. And just, that's when you infer of like, I don't know. Like they're, they got a lot of job postings. I'm not sure that they're not hiring right now. Right. What they're really seeing is like, well, we don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with talking to you or another agency, <laughs> right? Cause maybe they've already dealt with them and they haven't worked out well and all that. So again, that's where profile content really, you know, really help. And the profile really sells it, you know, as keeping, you know, making you look like the expert, but that that's, like those are kind of the things that we're talking about, right? And as you kind of get to the the follow up cadence, like those are things that you're always looking for, right? Are they start hiring again or different departments, right? Or kind of just checking in on like you know a few weeks later, hey, were you guys able to kind of fill that role, right? Like if yep. not, like I, I did talk to someone that's amazing and it made me think of you, right? And, and that role, you know, the software engineer role that you had open or whatever, right? Like you kind of pick up on that intel and it gives you what you need it gives you that information not to be persistent and to kind of know when to dig and how to dig versus just like hey do you need a recruiter or like hey we can work on that role right and then it's just like all right well, what's your fee and you do all that it's like all right it's going down the transactional role that road that like we all kind of hate right yeah we've all been there but like yeah. is that where we want to be probably not no. and i think a key point you made a moment ago too is around the questions is to ask open-ended questions because yeah. we're all prone to asking the yes or no's. And that is one of the fastest ways to kill a conversation. Yeah. Open-ended questions, though, keep the conversation going. Back to being curious, right? Allows you another opportunity to learn some more, too. And I think those two things will pay off as you continue working with that client or with that hiring manager. And that's why I want to go to this slide, the setting boundaries. We're actually going to start with like identifying your A, B, and C prospects. And to me, that is the questions you talked about, right? Why is this, is, when you, let's, that's kind of like skip step, right? Let's say that you've established some interest, there's a role and whether it's in the inbox or you get them on a call, right? Why is this position open? How long has it been open? You know, when's the start date? What happens if you don't fill the position by then, right? Make the business case and who else is working on this wreck? And to me, those are the top five things I asked before I get to anything else, top three skills, you know, whatever, right? The nice to haves, all that, like that's what you got to know to understand urgency. And that's how you're going to be able to identify your A, B, and C prospects with urgency. So I don't know if you want to kind of talk about that for a second before. Yeah. I mean, identifying who your A, B, and C, just going back to where you spend your time will help you from an efficiency standpoint, because you might get into an account that has a ton of openings and you think this is, this is it. I've hit, I've hit jackpot. This is nothing but opportunity for me. And then you find out their rates are half of what you usually work on. They have 20 other vendors. 
and you aren't allowed to do anything but speak to a VMS system, right? And that's it. Like, is that is that truly an A account anymore? Sure. On paper, it kind of looks like it. The upside appears to be there, but after you've asked those right questions and understood the account and some of the hiring processes that they have all their agencies go through, you might say, okay, this is this just isn't worth my time. Like I have other opportunities out there. I have better clients that I can be spending more time on with them or just quite frankly, just going out and finding a new client, right? And saying, hey, I don't know anything about this account, but I know I'm better served finding a new one than spending all my time on a C account that maybe I get one placement after working on 20 roles. Like is that, that's just not, that's not how I do I do business. Yeah, and that's, and this is the sticking point, right? This is my favorite slide. One of my favorite topics to talk about is just, the setting boundaries, you got to ask the right questions to know what boundaries that you're setting, right? If you, if you kind of know to be able to put them in the right bucket, because if they don't know the answers to this, or they're kind of throwing it out there, then you know, they're not serious, right? And too often I, I hear, and I, I work with recruiters and salespeople and owners that just dive right in it. They're just like, they picked up the rec, they got the agreement, like my job's done, right? I got, oh, I signed 10 agreements. I'm like, okay. Like, great. Like, how many roles have start dates? Right. How many None place there? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it doesn't mean anything, right? Without a start date, you know, and, you know, AirTech, we had red, red zones, right? You had to have all 15 questions answered, start date being the biggest one, right? Pay rate, all that, like defining all these things. Because the more that they're defined, that you know the urgency that the client actually has and they're willing to take it seriously, right? Because some clients and prospects, they're really trying to fill the role and they worked with an agency that really didn't find like they couldn't find the person mm-hmm. right and the client doesn't know how to figure it out so they actually need you but we all know the ones that are there to waste your time right and go after fee and they want to sign 10 vendors and so we get annoyed with that but you got to ask the right questions to reveal the great clients and that's what this does right it's yep. giving that abundance mindset Right. And knowing that that's why we have to have volume. We we keep going after it every single day and having that discipline and that patience to have a good call and a good interaction. And then when you have it, it's like, you know, you're like a cobra, like you're able, like you're ready to strike in a sense. Right. And yep. like your best targets will respect your approach. And they're going to be excited by your approach because you're going to come across like an expert and actually know what you're talking about and asking the questions that no one else has asked them. And they're gonna, it's going to give them hope that you're actually going to be able to figure this out. And that's why those are the people that when they do that, they always end up raising their fees because when you do that, people then and clients are able to like, yeah, I see the value of paying 25%, 30%, right. Or whatever the increased number is from what they're used to, because you're actually solving the problem and you're making the business case. I would say with mechanics at at Aerotech, I knew if a machine was down, you know, there's one company, it was costing them, you know, 10,000 an hour. How long was it down? Well, it was down for 10 hours. So you you wasted a hundred thousand dollars in a day. On that, like they didn't care that I was charging them 85% markup on a mechanic <laughs> because it's like no difference because they were like, yeah, we just need a great mechanic in here to make sure this doesn't happen, right? So make the business case. Your best targets will respect you. And the worst ones that can't answer these questions or don't want to, they're going to go away. They're going to reveal themselves. And like, again, that's you controlling the process. And that's like one of the themes, like you have so much more control over your, you have full control over your approach. <laughs> right yeah. and not like giving up right and then there's such an amazing domino effect with great clients and hiring managers but also if you have a recruiters your recruiters are going to thank you right because you don't want to waste their time that's super valuable right on talking to candidates and roles that are going to go away or that you lose out on uh because then they have to have those conversations with candidates and that's awkward so like 
you control that here and it makes everything easier on the back end and you remove so much wasted time. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than having to tell a candidate the role is gone because I, as a salesperson, didn't ask the right questions early in the process to understand the urgency, the commitment, the want to, so to speak, from the client side. Uh, so yeah, that's a great point. And that yeah, I'm a big quote guy too. And back to the thing about questions. Uh, I don't know where there's a book I read recently, but it's great answers stem from great questions. And yep. so if you're going and asking those great questions, you'll get the great answers. The ones that you're referring to will come out naturally from the conversations you're having. Exactly. Exactly. So to recap, I'm getting great clients, know yourself and know your market, right? If you got work to do there, do that work to figure it out, get on the phone with them. And we didn't mention earlier, but don't be afraid to talk to candidates. You know, a lot of people starting in sales or getting sales, oh, that person's just looking for a job to so talk to them, right? We, we covered it, you know, last week, at, at, you know, 360 calls, you can get, you know, leads from candidates, you can, you know, help candidates out with their LinkedIn profile, how are they going about a job search, all that. If you're, especially if you're talking to hiring manager level candidates, they're going to remember you in the long game, right? And if you're in recruiting, and you are all in in recruiting, which is one of the big keys to success is like really being all in, not just dipping your toes into this, but being all in and your clients and your prospects, everyone's going to resonate with that, right? That you're taking this seriously and that you're, you're knowing more and more about your craft, right? And you take pride in that, right? Do that, right? Go all in and then you're going to get, be able to get a ton of intel, right? Getting leads from, you know, candidate profiles, potentially references. And again, the same approach, right? Serve them, help them first, you know, but hey, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask, like, you know, how do you guys go about your hiring? Right. And it can be simple, like tone shifts like that. It doesn't have to be so direct. And you can kind of be yourself and just be inquisitive um, without being salesy. Right. right. Like that'll be huge. Um, if you're just trying to help. Want to help. Right. And that's what it comes down to. If you want to help, it. people want to help you in return. And yeah. our industry is unique in that aspect because the relationships can last years if not longer, decades, right? I'm sure there's some people that have had that decades of relationship. Some that started out as a candidate or a hiring manager and they went in with the mindset of, hey, I wanna, I wanna help you out. Yeah. And from there it spawned into years and years of working together. Yep, I, I remember in my first, like few years ago, the first outreaches we did for my first clients, Tara Rochelle, and she, she was just, I'll talk to, you know, I'm gonna talk to everyone. Like if she's a medical device, and she talked to a lot of VPs on that. I think a year later, three of them all in the same month came back and were like, hey, I got a new role. I remember how you treated me. Like, I want to work together. And she got three clients in the same month from that initial outreach, like 14 months prior. Right. And it's yeah. like just having that patience, having the discipline, treating people the right way on the phone. And there are so many ways that you can add value, you know, just to clients, to hiring managers, candidates, just with what you know from the day to day of talking to the market. Right. Like there's so much value because people have been asking, you know, well, what if it's not like a straight rec call? It's like just just dig in and just add, like you're a hiring expert, add value there. A lot of people don't have time to brush up on their resume, their LinkedIn and just kind of know what you know. You kind of give value. And then, you know, when it comes time to, you know, kind of dig in and you kind of ask for some leads or how did you get that job or this job? Oh, is it through an agency? Right. You kind of just have that kind of natural back and forth. Um, that so, let me ask you the the, yeah. the woman. Did you place her? Did you end up finding her a job, or did she just remembered how you interacted with her and was grateful for that approach? For who? For the 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 example you just gave. You said she had. A oh, that was her. that was a digital recruiter client. Okay. 
so yeah. we got her LinkedIn, her outreach, a profile, everything set up. So we were helping get her in touch with our market, right? Getting sure. her more qualified clients. And some of the in, in the messages were like, were people looking for a job? She's like, I don't care. I'll talk to them. Right. And I only this VP of sales, a bunch of director of sales. So she's like, yeah, I'll talk to all of them. And yeah. I'm like, great. You know, and that willingness is why she was able to increase revenue. Like, I mean, she's like tripled her business, I think, since then. I mean, she's she's off running. I mean, she had a non-compete at that time. So like she had to get in the market to figure out other companies, mm-hmm. right? And to learn what else is out there. And that's the other point. You know, I know we're kind of just riffing a little bit now, but like that was that was huge. Just that willingness to dive in and get to know her market and the people in her market. She knew she would get enough intel and business development leads and everything else, but still was able to treat candidates the right way. I mean, they remembered her and left an impression that they came back to her a year later. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was a point I was trying to like get yeah. to is that at least I know from my own experience early on, I thought, Hey, if I didn't place someone for a job, why would, you know, why would they come back to me? Did, did I help them in any way? And that yeah. was a very small minded approach is what I realized. You can help out the example you just gave in so many ways with resume, with LinkedIn, with just understanding the job market in general, right? There's yep. so there's so many ways outside of, Hey, did I find you a job that you can, help someone out that in turn they'll remember like you said a year later because of how you treated them as a person not as just some name on a resume uh that you're trying to place as a client yeah and that, it goes for everything right even managers that are struggling you know they're finding you know struggling to find a candidate or whatever just like digging in what are they doing like figure out what they've been doing first get curious in the inbox you don't have to kind of sell them right away and if you have like an initial approach that's getting curious don't then immediately flip that when you get a response so like well yeah we could definitely work on that like this is our fee yada yada just like patience right just like let the conversation develop and you're gonna have to get comfortable with having 30 40 50 60 maybe 100 conversations like that where you're just kind of letting it flow in a sense right and not getting too antsy but kind of knowing like hey we could talk about this like or i'd be happy to give you some insights and kind of show you what's worked and yada yada and just kind of have that confidence that it can lead to a good rep don't just try to get a rep like how can i lead this to get like an amazing role that i know it'll close it'll just give me a lot of clarity on it and it's just like having that patience is really key i know it can be hard depending on where you're at in your recruiting business but like that approach pays off quicker than you think, right? Because then you have dozens of people like that. And then a few of those are going to end up being great clients. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I would rather have a few great clients than many not so great clients. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Steve said, great questions make all the difference. Ron, great questions set your firm you apart. Absolutely, Ron. Absolutely. Yeah. Asking great questions shows that you know your market, right? Like, if you're asking surface level questions that chat GPT told you, sure, it's great and all, but if you're asking second, third level ones, that's that alone is a differentiator from some of your competition. It makes an impression. Yeah. It does. That's the point. Smaller scales be much more better. On the flip side too, I'd have to say to add to that is also it's okay to say you don't know the answer to something. Like that's it's it's okay to admit you don't know everything. I think yep. that's also refreshing for clients, candidates, everyone to hear as well, because we're not we're not perfect. We're not robots. We try to do our best, but we still make mistakes and we don't know everything that's ever happened in humankind. So come out and just say, I don't understand that. Can you help me understand a little bit further? That could be refreshing for them to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And John brings up a great point. Not always going after the huge companies, right? Small to midsize can be a sweet spot, especially for you know a lot of people that we talk to. The bigger companies can have a lot of red tape. 
you know, so if you're trying to get into, you know, small, mid-sized companies and find that sweet spot where you can have access, you can get agreements signed, you can get things moved along, but they still have the budget, right? That, that's a huge one in terms of finding out your target market. Yep. Let's see. And it says, hardest obstacle recruiting for me has been diving straight into sourcing rather than qualifying the rec with the clients first. Been a difference in closing a job order within a week. Yep. I mean, huge in time allocation. It's so easy to get antsy and kind of show you know, want to show off your skills. Yeah. You, know, you get excited. You're like, hey, there's opportunity, yeah. right? Like, Absolutely. I want to feel it. Absolutely. No, that's it, it, that's it. And it can happen. But like just having that patience in that critical moment where the client just, because most of the time they don't know anybody, they're going to kind of just push it along as a transactional deal. They don't know all these things that you can do and you can find these people and, and yada, yada. Like that moment where you're, kind of doing like the discovery call the intake like that's when you set the tone for how easy or difficult your life is going to be with them in days and weeks and months and like that's the type like i tell most people that's when to slow down like and all the top of funnel stuff that we teach it's so that you could spend more time in those critical moments closer to the money and really take advantage of it and not blow the opportunities that are amazing mm. and that's also the thing is like how many times and we all look back like man, kind of, I blew that conversation or I blew that meeting, right? Because I didn't have, I wasn't prepared or didn't have the plan or didn't have the discipline and the patience. And that's the other thing. Like, it's like, oh, I want to get more leads. It's like, well, what are you doing with the current ones now? Right? Like, that's the first question you should be asking before I want to get more leads. Like, are you doing everything you can to like have quality calls, yeah. right? And not rushing to, you know, something like Bradley said to sourcing, but really just like taking the time to discipline to be intentional about this and prioritizing with your client and your prospect, like how important this is. And that assuming and inferring, they probably haven't gone through this with any other recruiter before, but like, this is what's going to get them the different result. Mm -hmm. How do you construct cold emails? I come as a free logistics, my niche. Well, cause cold emails, brutal. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's I to be frank, I don't touch cold email. I touch warm and follow up ones and everything else, but cold email, math. I, I've tried it, you know, in the agency where I worked at before, we did some of that with the regulations coming out. I mean, just any of us can check our inbox this morning and probably got blasted with another emails last night. I think it's really hard to stand out and differentiate yourself from another recruiting agency. I I don't I think there's a place for cold email for sure. Uh, but it's kind of after really, I would say it's after LinkedIn and cold calling. Um, and even cold calling, you want it to be more targeted from the list that you've built and you want it to be relevant of like, Hey, you know, we connected on LinkedIn or shot you connection requests, or I saw you had this role open. You know, we just completed a search. We had a few candidates, you know, in the area that, that fit that skill set, right. It might be worth discussing. Even that I want to be more intentional. If you're going to do cold email for me, it's be short, concise, right. To the point. Um, and so with your list, like be really targeted, like the same principles apply, right? Yeah. Be really targeted. I think you're better off targeting 100, 200 of the right people than 10,000 of a bunch of random people. Uh, yeah, if you segment just, it down enough, yeah. you can speak to their pain points. Like, yeah. you know, if, if Matt, if you're just asking how to construct a cold email, the first thing I would always just consider is, hey, what are their pain points? Yeah. And understanding that and crafting a message around there. And if you want to do a little extra digging, you can look into some copywriting frameworks. One of my favorites is uh, pain, agitate, solutions, pass formula. 
as you kind of can tell from it, pains the first part, agitates, and then the solution would be obviously what you bring to the table as well. Uh, but to Clark's point, right, segmenting it down, making sure it's the right and relevant people who send the cold emails is the first place I would start. Yeah. Well, and then Matt followed up by saying all the business coming through LinkedIn, so I should stay there. Um, I'd say, Matt, if you're not posting content, that's a huge opportunity for you. If you're already getting uh, clients from LinkedIn, right? Understanding what are their pain points, listening to all the conversations you're having with them. What what are your hiring managers? What do they not know about recruiting? What insights? What are the pain points to day to day? Really crafting that storytelling. You could check out the live I did last week with Kevin Logan. Um, we really went into kind of how to leverage content. So if you're getting clients from LinkedIn, double down and triple down LinkedIn. And then I would even probably look at you know where some follow up, some you know email, maybe responses you're not getting. And that's why I would follow up with email. And that's why I would follow up with cold call. Right. But I think the time and effort that cold email takes for the quality of clients. And that's the other thing. I rarely hear people being like, I got an awesome client through cold email. <laughs> it's like we got a client, but it was like a onesie, twosie. Maybe it wasn't really like scalable or like a really solid one. I, I think that building the right list, using LinkedIn, I think calling. And if you're local, walking into plants and kind of dropping off your card and stuff like that, that, that seems to be the best approaches because email is just so cluttered. I think there's a time and a place, but prioritize LinkedIn first, for sure. Get the absolute most out of that, and especially if you're, you're already getting clients from there. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. You just have to double down on it. Or you can go back like and ask your current clients, hey, why are you working with me? What resonated when I reached out to you the first time, second time, whatever it is? because it clearly, whatever you're doing clearly has worked in the past. Yep. And just getting that market feedback could allow you to tweak a little bit more and continue to resonate with those prospects that don't know who you are yet. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's see, we got a good one for Keely here. How can you get more clients and healthcare staffing? Any things to consider? Um, but none yeah. show up. Um, What's well, because you have the healthcare? Yeah, I'm trying to think like, why are they not showing up? Like, that's like a whole other topic, I feel like, where how are you setting, how are these meetings going to set up, right? What's the agenda? What are they expecting when they come to the meeting? What is your process between when you set the meeting to when they actually show up? How far apart is that between the time of agreement to actually having the meeting occur? I think there's some studies show, but it's basically like every day you add on further and further is a higher probability that they won't show up or cancel on you as well. Um I can't. Yeah, how do we get more clients? Like, well, yeah, it's. I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah. I would say without knowing more, LinkedIn profile that is who you're targeting visible on your profile with the headline, with the about section. Are you showing the wins and places that you've gone before for other healthcare uh, companies? Right, really leverage that. Uh, are you getting them excited? Yeah, are you getting them excited yeah. to show up? I think that's what you're saying right there. Like, yeah, leverage are, the wins. Like they want to come. And get it, they should be excited to come meet with you. And if they're blowing you off somewhere along the line, they weren't excited anymore. Yeah. What's the list that you're building? Is it too high level, too low level? The company size kind of makes sense for, for you to target, right? Depending on the capacity of your recruiting team. What's the messaging look like, right? It might be transactional. If they're not showing up, it means they don't see the value right in that time and so really being able to build the authority and the framing and the value ahead of time of like wow i'm talking to an agency that could really solve the hiring problems that we have like that's what you want them to think ahead of time 
being able to maybe get them on the Calendly and set up like uh, workflows and automations ahead of time. Hey, this is what we're going to be talking about. This is kind of what we do well. This is who we've helped before, right? Maybe getting them a case study before the call could be huge. Cool. I think that's all we got for questions. Um, quick thing on the slide, we got 50% pre-order uh, pre -order special until midnight tonight Eastern on the sales mastery, content mastery, and the bundle. Those are 50% off. Um, so make sure to check those out. You know, we got all the breakdowns on the processes that we teach on the sales side uh, in the digital recruiter course. We got all the stuff on the content side as well um, and really be able to kind of link and have those work off each other. So check those out. Those are modules are going to be released this week. And those come with a coaching call on each side. And for the content one, uh, someone is going to win a free month of content. So that'd be pretty exciting. We'll do a LinkedIn live and draw that um, probably in early January. Um, but Keely, appreciate you being here, man. This was fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate everyone with all the questions that were asked. They're great. I love love engagement. It makes it a lot more fun than just me and Clark standing Absolutely. up and talking to each other. <laughs> Talking sales on a, on a Monday at lunch. I love it. So, well, I know we'll be doing this, doing this again. And uh, yeah, appreciate everyone tuning in, all the awesome questions. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye, guys.